This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, but it is an excellent guest. I've been looking forward to this for some time. Tony Khan is the president, CEO, and head of creative of All Elite Wrestling, known pretty much as AEW. A, uh, just a remarkable, to me, success story over the past three years of bringing an entire major new wrestling promotion into the marketplace. Tony Khan is also the co-owner and the chief football strategy officer for the Jacksonville Jaguars of the NFL and co-owner and general manager of Fulham FC, just promoted up to the Premier League, also the owner and chairman of True Media Networks, an engineering firm used for data analytics for sports organizations, including one of the places I work at, The Athletic. Um, I don't know when Tony Khan sleeps essentially given uh, given all those jobs. All elite wrestling, you know, we are uh, in the wrestling business. <laughs> Everything's a promotion. And so uh, I'm talking to Tony this week as All Elite Wrestling presents Double or Nothing this Sunday from a sold-out T-Mobile arena in Las Vegas. You can obviously get that on pay-per-view. Uh, major, major matches for this promotion. Adam Page against CM Punk. MJF against Wardlow, Thunder Rosa against Serena Deeb for the AEW Women's World title. You can go down the list of those matches. Um, we had a great conversation over an hour about so much stuff. You do not have to be a wrestling fan, I think, to enjoy this. And I tried to just really get pretty deep into just to how Tony consumes media, how he thinks about uh, mainstream media in the sports end versus the wrestling media versus crossover media does he have a strategy in terms of how much press he does as um as the head of uh, AEW you know it's very sort of big contrast to how much stuff Vince McMahon does although certainly Stephanie McMahon and Triple H do a lot for WWE we talked about the Discovery Warner Media merger and how that will impact AEW Tony gives you a little bit of news there uh, talk about television metrics, which are obviously a major, major thing when it comes to AEW and how he consumes those and, and what he thinks the most important metrics are. We get into streaming uh, and his building of a library and where he thinks streaming is heading when it comes to his product in the future. Get into uh, his how he views announcers. He has two of the greatest of all time, Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, discusses them and, and, how, he views, um, and how he views that. The AW tribute show to Brody Lee was incredible. 
Um, and I'm glad Tony, um, I got a chance to talk to Tony about that. That was something that I just thought was pretty extraordinary. And then, you know, there's not a ton of obviously creative here, but he does talk about MJF and CM Punk and some of the other people that, um, that you've seen and some of the performers that you really like. So it's an hour with Tony Khan, uh, one of the true movers and shakers in sports. And he was incredibly generous with his time coming up on the sports media podcast. CM Punk. This is PG Punk. What happened to the guy I grew up on, man? What happened to the renegade, the ass kicker, the outsider? Because you might as well be coming out here preaching hustle, loyalty, and respect. All right. As I said at the top, Tony Khan is the guest on this podcast. I'm, I, it's somebody I've wanted to talk to for uh, a long, long time. Great admiration for what he's done. He, 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 he's a man of a lot of titles and jobs here, so let me get them out. He's the president, CEO, and head of creative of All Elite Wrestling, which most of you probably know is AEW. He's co-owner and the chief football strategy officer of the Jacksonville Jaguars co-owner, general manager of Fulham FC, recently promoted to the Premier League, and owner and chairman of True Media Networks. That's an engineering firm used for data, anal- uh, data analytics for sports organizations, including the one I work at, The Athletic. Tony is here, obviously, to talk about um, talk about a lot of stuff. I'm really interested in sort of just how he consumes media and how he looks at media, but let's get the promotion out there. All Elite Wrestling presents Double or Nothing. This Sunday, from a sold-out T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, the inaugural AEW event was Double or Nothing in May 2019 from the MGM Grand Garden Arena. This card is, like many of these AEW pay-per-view cards, kind of amazing. Uh, Adam Page versus CM Punk for the AEW World title. You got MJF versus Wardlow. Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. But uh, again, if you're a wrestling fan, it's pretty much must-watch. We're also taping this. On the three-year anniversary of AEW, I cannot believe we are at uh, that point. But I bring in Tony Khan, and Tony, congratulations, man! Three years. This, uh, you know, it's not often somebody can sort of quote unquote change the game on something. But welcome to the Sports Media Podcast, and you have changed the game when it comes to professional wrestling. Congratulations! Thank you, Richard. It's an honor and a real pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm a huge, huge fan of yours and have been for a long time. I, I study sports media and I have for years and, and you cover the space so well. And it's a, just a real privilege to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me. That's kind of you, Tony. I will send you the check in the mail in a couple <laughs> couple of days. Um, all right. I want to start off here with uh, – this is always interesting to me for people in your position. Like personal media consumption is very interesting to me. And so I think you know this, Tony. You might even subscribe to this. But there are companies whose job it is is to track everything said about a company in the mainstream press the previous day, social media highlights, and they sort of present this to uh, executives – at a company, you could think for my audience, you sort of think about it almost as like a mini presidential briefing, like the president of the United States might get in the morning, like here's what's going on around the world. Um, I don't know if you receive that, Tony, as as the, the head of AEW, but as specific as you can, can you let my audience know just how do you consume media 
about your companies, and we can even, since you have so many, we could sort of make it specific to AEW. How do you consume information about AEW on a daily basis? Well, I engage with fans uh, in person and on social media. I follow wrestling very closely and the wrestling business. And as a company, AEW, we engage with a lot of media like yourself and uh, have worked with a ton of outlets. Recently had great feature with ABC and a number of networks outside of our great family that covers us so well with Warner Brothers Discovery. And like you said, they provide us with really intricate coverage and detailed fan analytics. So that's, you know, music to my ears as an analytics person working in sports data for many years, like you said. And for me, those relationships that we have with like a great media partner like Warner Brothers Discovery, they have so many great resources and it's really given us first class engagement and then you can't beat grassroots engagement and for us that's the fans at the live shows it's the fans on the street that come up and talk to you and it's a lot of fans millions of fans for AEW all around the world there's so many pro wrestling fans in AEW in just three years from today which is crazy today's the three-year anniversary and we built tremendous market share in a really short time so it's very exciting for us let me be specific. What's the first thing you look at in the morning when you wake up? What's the first information source you look at? My phone and uh, whatever. Uh, first, my messages, emails, and then uh, probably either Google News or Twitter. Uh, and uh, Instagram is uh, not long after, but definitely my phone, missed call, message, anything that might have come through. Uh, and for me, it could be a number of different sources you get media information from across different sports and different entertainment properties I work in, AEW first and foremost, in an email. What importance do you place on getting uh, attention for AEW or getting, um, you know, sort of me like called media, capital M? What importance do you get on getting uh, media for AEW from mainstream media versus the wrestling media, which is obviously going to cover you all the time, and then let's say versus cro like maybe cro crossover media, so um, which would be like if the entertainment publications uh, uh, or entertainment outlets cover you. How do you? I'll, and then I'll get into sort of how you approach each. But is one more important than the other between I should say the mainstream sports press, the wrestling press, and then like the crossover press, which might be like people, let's say a uh, People Magazine or something like that. Well, I think first and foremost, it depends on the person. And in this case, the engagement, when you're engaging with the media, it's often one-on-one. -on -one. Like sometimes there might be a crew or you're talking to multiple people like co-hosts, but often you're talking to one person one-on-one -on -one in media. So it's the person or the people. First of all, are they wrestling fans? Is one of them a wrestling fan or is the one person a big wrestling fan? How big of a fan are they? I think that kind of dictates how you talk to them and what, how you want to speak to them. And also it's personal relationships. Do you know them well and how well do you know them? And the better relationships you build, you know, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get to do this more than once with you and we'll get a uh, repeat flow. But I think this is already really comfortable in part because I've followed you for many years. And obviously you're familiar now with AEW, as you've said. And also you cover sports media, so you'd be familiar with the Jaguars and the NFL and Fulham now back in the Premier League, which is awesome. And I think it allows us to, even though we haven't really spoken before, to be 
uh, talking with a certain level of familiarity and it helps me a lot that I know that you like wrestling just from following you. Uh, and if I didn't follow you and we hadn't uh, just met, I probably would pick up on it, to be honest with you, uh, because I've been that kind of a wrestling fan my whole life. Like, it's very natural to me. I was the kind of person that would push wrestling on all my friends. I made a lot of wrestling fans and we've thankfully with AEW, we've made infinitely more, but in my lifetime as a grassroots spreader of pro wrestling, I am an original spreader in school and um, friends in life. So I think it's great. And that's one of the reasons why talking to other wrestling fans is always great. And also trying to make new wrestling fans has been a challenge I've taken up, you know, since I was a kid and for 30 years before I was actually a wrestling promoter. <laughs> I this Tony, there are a few things I like more. I, I love more than um, <laughs> whether it's on social media or elsewhere, just using wrestling expressions yep. sort of for things that are not wrestling, you know, like telling my friends to put me over or whatever. Like, at least, so you're right. Like you just sort of, sort of know a wrestling fan. So I could, uh, um, I could do that all day. Also, by the way, prior to you guys owning, Fulham, I have been to Craven Cottage and I have seen a game at Craven really? Cottage and it was an incredible experience. It was such a cool I think this might have been when did the FIAD zone yeah. Fulham? Yeah, over one a, okay, about that's a probably when I was now in my dad. That's when I saw a game there and it was phenomenal. Like the fans were great and man, it was uh such a cool stadium in uh in London. It's and awesome. uh so I I I love that. Yeah, I can. Uh, it, it's it's a great. It seems like a great club. It's an amazing club, and my right, dad the, made the, huge, huge improvements. I think if you go back, you won't believe what's in progress and what's happening with the Riverside development. It's really cool. It's oh, awesome. I love that. All right, I'll check that out when next time I'm in London, which who knows when will be. Do you, you know one of the things that um, you know? I try not to bring the WWE up too much in this, but the the, the parallel is important here. Stephanie McMahon does a lot of press and has always done a lot of press. And that's something I've appreciated from her. Obviously, Paul Levesque, Triple H has done as well. You don't often see that as much with Vince McMahon, to be very blunt. Picks the spots. He doesn't really do a ton of stuff. I'm not sure he actually done a ton of stuff before he did Pat McAfee. Your strategy seems to be um, you make yourself accessible. Um, I have heard you on podcast. I've, li- I've heard you on Busted Open Radio. Like you, You're not hiding in terms of like an apostle for AEW. And I wonder when you started this journey, uh, Tony, three years ago, did you sort of think about how much press you wanted to do? Because like the talent that work for you, I feel like you are one of the faces and messengers of this product. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I love wrestling and I love wrestling fans. So that part comes naturally to me. And I've done media in the past, working in football in England with Fulham and, of course, in the NFL with the Jaguars. So for me, it made a lot of sense. And it was easier for me to get booked than some of the wrestlers to promote the shows. We have a big (laughs) pay-per-view event that I, you know, should have jumped on to promote immediately at the front of the podcast when you when i had all the engagement but hopefully people are still listening because like you said may 29th <laughs> Promote it now tony well we have a show tonight Diminishing returns. we have a show Get tonight on tbs uh it's a big show and uh i really appreciate you having me on and giving me this window to promote it and we're on tbs every wednesday we've got one of the top shows for those who don't know a lot about wrestling in all of not just wrestling but in all of tv on wednesdays we're consistently near the top of the cable charts and we've been number one many times we're on 8 to 10 p.m eastern 7 to 9 central we have a two-hour window on tbs on wednesday nights for wednesday night dynamite aew 
And now because of the success of Wednesday Night Dynamite, we have a second show, which is on TNT. It's typically on 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central on Friday nights, Friday Night Rampage on TNT. It's been kind of time shifting around with the playoffs as Warner Brothers Discovery has the rights on TNT and TBS to uh, some different games. So Wednesday Night Dynamite's been very stable, thankfully, on TBS. But on TNT, we've kind of rampage has moved around a little bit out of the 10 p.m. slot. Yeah. They have the NBA, so yeah, they have they they you know they have, they have their contract. Yep, the and NBA. some hockey now too. So it's like you know it's a little Correct. time shifting around, but it's been easy for us to hopefully uh, try to inform our fans, even though we've jumped around time slots a little bit. And now we're coming up this weekend Sunday on one of the biggest events we've ever had, or I think our biggest weekend yet. Today is the three year anniversary of the launch. We celebrate tonight on TBS. And we've got the double or nothing where it all began. We're back in Las Vegas this week for the first time since we launched. And it is awesome to be back. And I think it's going to be a really special night on TBS and leading into our biggest event ever this weekend. We've got Hangman Page, the world champion who's been on such a great run. He won the championship at our big pay-per-view at the end of last year. Uh, beating Kenny Omega and he's been on this insane run. Anybody who follows wrestling, if you know a lot of the names I'm going to say from when he won the title from Kenny Omega and what I think is the greatest long-term story in, in terms of over the course of many years and, and even tag team partners who won the championship and then had the split. They've had many matches. I think there's a lot of great stories in the company, including MJF and CM Punk and hangman and kenny omega i think those would probably be our top two or near the top it's certainly and uh hangman winning the title from kenny omega was certainly a big deal and uh since then he's had some of the best matches in the history of the company uh, wrestling on tbs on her debut show debuting with him wrestling brian danielson they've had a 60 minute draw and hangman came back to beat him he's won a pair of matches with adam cole He's face of the company, and now he's taken on a wrestler who's really added new life to AEW, both backstage and certainly on TV and as a business, created just so many new business opportunities and taken us to new heights in terms of our live events and our pay-per-view revenues and just as a business on TV, CM Punk. And CM Punk versus Hangman Page, I just think it's a great match. And with Hangman being a great champion and CM Punk being a great number one contender, I think it's going to make for a great pay-per-view. It's, and I, hopefully I'll get another chance to talk about it. I don't know if you follow boxing closely, but I have an interesting parallel for you on sports media this weekend that I, I'll try to come back to, but not as the headline. But it's, uh, it's, it's a big deal this, this week, and I just uh, really appreciate it. This is my kind of first big interview I've done this week <laughs> yeah we i was gonna say tony we could do i could do five hours with you on your creative the problem is i don't have enough time because like the you have at this point such a constellation of talent in that company um that it's really impressive but you mentioned so you opened up a couple things there that, that i do want to get to and you talked about uh viewership and so this is very important, obviously, to you. It's very important to your company. Traditionally in wrestling, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the only thing, but traditionally in wrestling, there's been so much importance placed on how your television viewership is, 
how you do in the 18 to 49 demo, which is obviously a very important demo when it comes to um, media buyers buying in your product. It's not the only thing. You should be, I think, measured on how you do on pay-per-views, even how things like how you do on Google search, how you do on YouTube views. But there's a bit of an obsession in the industry when it comes to television viewership. So let me ask a couple of questions sort of surrounding that. How do you how do you consume AEW's television metrics? And what do you personally consider to be the most important metric for viewership when you are evaluating how your business is doing? Well, we receive ratings reports from Warner Brothers Discovery. And for me personally and for AEW as a business, the most important metric is the metric that our network bosses value. And in this case, Warner Brothers Discovery puts a high emphasis on the 18 to 49 demographic. Everybody, every viewer is very important. So we get the P2, which for everybody if, that doesn't follow that ratings metric, that's just everybody. Everybody's in the P2. And that's all ages, everybody. And then you get specific breakdowns, different ages and gender breakdown, different things. And one thing that they focus on at the very top, really the top line of the report is overall 1849 people. And AEW fares very well. It's often number one show on Wednesdays, and we've ranked at or near the top on Fridays as well. Both shows did very well this past week and in weeks past. We're up significantly year over year for Dynamite, and Rampage is not even a year old. It's a new show and has done really well as a second show. And we've gotten these reports every single week. We've not had a Wednesday off since 2019. We've had a couple time shifts where it wasn't on Wednesday, to be fair. But we've done Dynamite every single week since Christmas 2019. And it's done very, very well for, for uh, us and the network. And now it's interesting being on cable because a lot of linear networks are seeing us beating them. Like TBS and TNT have had shows where they've filled like five of the top 10 slots, not just on cable, but also including broadcast with the NBA playoff coverage and AEW Dynamite on a Wednesday where we've had four of the top nine spots just with the three NBA and the AEW where we're beating tons of network shows on the big network. So it's, it's interesting uh, wrestling programming on cable from us and our competitor is often at the near the top of the night in the demo, not only on network, but our cable shows are faring very well too. And that holds up for AEW. And like I said, with Dynamite on TBS, we've seen, great numbers this year and we're up significantly year over year and the, the the growth of dynamite since it launched led to a second show with rampage so for me like i said the most important number for AEW and me personally is what warner brothers discovery values which so far has been 18 to 49 and if they ever want to value something else then that's what we'll do you know, Tony, that uh, and you're obviously you you are not only well aware of this, but you're probably inside the boardrooms on this. The there's a there has been a massive Discovery Warner Brothers merger. Uh, that means new executives. That means potentially um, new philosophies. You know, under the sort of previous um, regime, it's very clear. I think that they were interested in wrestling and certainly interested in AEW. Um, I don't honestly know. I'm sure you have talked with him what David Zaslav, president and CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, thinks of wrestling. I would hope that he thinks he sees a product that 
as very attractive to young people, which is what he should want for um, his content play. But I don't know. So my question for you is, and I understand it's sort of early times, but have you gotten any kind of indication as to how the company post-merger will view AEW's content for them? Yes, and I have some breaking news for you, Richard. And you know, as a wrestling fan, whenever you have breaking news, you're going to get great engagement off this. So uh, get ready to be aggregated by the wrestling media. You know what that means, too. That, 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 so, should, that should take about 25 seconds, Tony, correct? Oh, no, I mean, in seri- <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, there's it's a big space. And uh, for those people who don't know, there's a ton of engagement on social media around the world. We'll get to that. Yeah, I have wrestling fans on social media and... The aggregate, the aggregate, there's not, honestly, Tony, having covered and written about me, I should, not, I'm already blowing my scoop because I'm, I'm filibustering here, but having <laughs> written about this stuff for a long time, I, I have never seen aggregation as fast and as quick as the, um, as wrestling sites do. Like, I'm not even mad about it. Like, I'm, I'm honestly just in admiration how many people they have staffed up to hear literally every piece of content and then to get it on the site. And, and, and there's a reason they spend the time on it because there's a ton of people all over the world who, exactly. who really are interested yep. in wrestling. Including me. I I've, I read those sites. I, I find it amazing. Yeah. So here, get ready to be aggregated with some big news. I'm going to drop here. I'm very excited because we're at the forum next week. And I'm really just honored. And it's a great privilege for us because a lot of the top executives from Warner Brothers Discovery are going to be at the forum We've got a sold out show. We've got a ton of fans coming and we've opened up more seats. It's one of our biggest crowds at one of the biggest sports markets in the world and some of the greatest wrestling fans. It means a lot to me personally to be in the forum to begin with, but I can't tell you what it means that a lot of the top executives from Warner Brothers Discovery are not only coming to the show, but they're throwing a great event for us afterwards in the forum. And it's just to have their presence to begin with it means so much that they would come to the show, but also a lot of the top executives in the Warner brothers discovery family are going to have an event with us with a lot of the people in AEW and we're going to hang out and they're going to, that means the world to us and getting to know each other better. And uh, they've been so supportive and great coming in. And it means so much to us to be working with the largest producer of content, now after this great merger warner brothers discovery the biggest in the world and running such an efficient ship now to be a part of it putting up numbers and working hard and showing up every week and this show june 1st will be coming off it'll be next wednesday a week from today tonight we're on live from las vegas celebrating the three-year anniversary we got our huge pay-per-view where it all began double or nothing on Sunday, it's it's going to be a massive event, which, like I said, I have a, I have a footnote for you on that. Uh, and and then, uh, you know, to have the event at the forum on June first, and to have uh, top execs from Warner Brothers Discovery not only coming to the event, but but throwing an, a party for us and this this mixer, this event, it's just really cool, and it's an honor to be a part of this family that's grown and and changed after the merger and it's going to be so strong. All right. So that I'm, I'm sensing that, uh, you're feeling good that this is a little confident feeling about the, 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 in the post merger world where AEW fits in. I think so. And I hope so. I think this is really cool and I'm very appreciative of it. 
I, uh, like you, because I am a wrestling nerd, I listen to Conrad Thompson's uh, series of podcasts. I love nostalgia. I think it's like, I think he came up with just a brilliant idea. You, I, I know you are aware of this, Tony. If you're not aware of this, then one of the multitude of fans has let you know this at some point. He, he and Eric Bischoff um, sort of have now a little bit of like a longstanding debate uh, that involves AEW regarding... Like which would I, I'm I'm gonna distill this here. Eric Bischoff, by the way, is the um, is a longtime wrestling figure, and he ran WCW, and a lot of people compare WCW to AEW just because is you know significant competitors to uh, to the WWE, even though it's really not an apples to apples comparison because we're not in the same era. No, and and WCW was owned and operated by the Turner Networks and and a different uh, ownership, and Eric was the executive in charge and he ran the company during really, really successful times. And he's in part largely responsible for a lot of those successes. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit different, but one of the big reasons, not only the big competitor to that company, but also of course, both shows, both companies had shows on both TNT and TBS. Correct. Went after each other, the famous sort of uh, Monday Night Wars. And again, it was an incredible time to be a wrestling fan to watch. I love the NWO, as many wrestling fans do. So uh, you always tip my hat to Eric Bischoff. What I'm trying to get at, Tony, is that they had a fascinating d debate. And I, I just wanted to get your take on this. Uh, I'm not going to get into the weeds of Bischoff going back and forth with CM Punk. That The other wrestling programs can do that. They had a fascinating debate to me that what is the value of of a hardcore wrestling fan, hardcore wrestling viewer who will watch, who will consume every single bit of content, who will go to the shows, who will buy all the pay-per-views, who will buy merchandise versus the casual wrestling fan who will occasionally pop in and out on weekly shows, may not be, may not be able to tell you like everything about the professional wrestling, may not be able to tell you like what's going on in Japan, but it's sort of, again, like a casual Conrad Thompson's point was that he would rather have the hardcore viewer, and he was relating this to AEW as this is, I think that's a better, he's saying, I think that's a better business to be in because I'll take less fans, but I'll take more engaged fans because ultimately those are the people who are going to support me through thick and thin. Bischoff's argument was more, I'd rather be sort of a WWE style wrestling company because of the mass, the aggregate number of people is going to be more. Well, that's, I mean, a business that's had 40 years of growth. Uh, you know, they've been, they've been really, they've had 40 years to build and, and grow and develop their business and their philosophies and, and build up their assets. So it's totally different than being a startup company. Right. Uh, so it's, I think they're, it's different saying, you know, this is what I would do with a company that's been around uh, for really longer than 40 years, but under this current management for 40 years. And under that management for 40 years, they've had 40 years to implement their, their own change and their philosophies and do their work and build up their assets. So being a company three years in, it's a different experience. And Eric is one of the most knowledgeable wrestling executives and certainly one of the most experienced wrestling executives. But I think it's an apples to oranges comparison. So that's probably not necessarily fair. But I get that, you know, doing uh, podcasts like you have to produce content that's fun and entertaining just like i hope we're giving some insightful entertaining stuff on your podcast but i think conrad's point is valid i think eric's point that you want to have a lot of fans is also valid but my thoughts on it are and you know this it, some of this might relate to eric's experiences but certainly there were a lot of 
things that happened with the history of WCW and, and the rise of WCW and then what became of it that I think it's really important to remember the hardcore fan. And it's something I always keep in mind and I'm, I'm mindful of, even when they don't think I am listening, I am. And uh, you can't always take action on the things that they're talking about in a, in a day, but you can take action on a lot of stuff as I plan to. And so I think it's, it's really a f- cool thing that you can hopefully get all the fans, but always try to be loyal to your hardcore base. The people I, that, I, yep. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I happen to agree with you and Conrad on this to me, if I was, and again, I've never run a business. So, you know, <laughs> as Bischoff would, would probably hit me in the head and say, you've never run a business. Absolutely correct. I'm just, I'm just a, a person who writes media, covers media, but is a, but is a fan of all this. I think if I can retain the hardcore, passionate fan, the person who really invests their soul into this, I can eventually get some people who are casuals because I can do attractive things to bring them into my tent. But I always want that hardcore person because that to me is the base of everything I do. And if I have them as their as the base, I feel like I'm starting off at a at a better place. That's how I would look. No, and that's very true. And I think another great thing about the hardcore fan is the word of mouth. You know, when I, from when I started in high school, wrestling was not cool when I first got into high school as a function of what was happening with the world of wrestling. And before the, really it had a chance to get really hot as a business, I made a few fans right off the bat as a virus spreading fan, just by being a hardcore that would rope other people into watching wrestling with me. And if you get some social people, what you can get is really good word of mouth, just like in the film industry and with TV shows at which we are a TV show. So I think you can grow your TV show by having a f- big hardcore base that you service and support, but also by trying to spread the word and trying to not only spread the word yourself and get out and engage with fans, but hopefully have the fans engaging with other fans. And if the hardcore fans engage with other fans, all of a sudden that's how you make what he might call a casual fan. Cause it, you can't have somebody be a hardcore fan, right? Overnight. We all started watching wrestling at some point. We all had to learn what was going on. We had to learn what a, why they rope break. We had to learn wh- what the count outs. And we, we all saw our first disqualification and scratched our heads about what was that. We all have moments uh, that we've all shared watching wrestling and learning about the things that happen in a, in a wrestling company. And I, I think the experience of watching wrestling has changed over the years, but a lot of the philosophies are very similar. And hopefully we can go back to a lot of the things that have been successful while keeping a lot of the things that the fans love about today's wrestling. And I think in general, all the fans are important, but you have to remember again, you know, every, everybody has a beginning. So you want to make fans from the beginning and then hopefully try to make them into hardcore fans. I mean, the more hardcore fans somebody is, that's good, right? How Tony, do you see streaming as it relates to your product and sort of the wrestling business writ large as we, head forward into um, into an era where streaming will become more relevant in our lives. It's obviously very relevant now. And as the maybe the cable universe, um, well, I don't think will necessarily fold, it certainly will uh, constrict a little bit. Yeah, well, it's a great statistic I was looking at recently about how the media business changes. This is like from the, so the decade of the 80s, from say 81 to 90 over a 10-year span, it, 1981, 2% of households in America had a VCR. 
And in 1990, 70% had a VCR. So by like over the, you know, to pick up that much market share for a way of media being consumed, the home video market grew so much in eight. Now, obviously that's a very antiquated analogy, but for, for some people, maybe that hits close to home. I think like for any, for anybody who doesn't see what's happening, maybe that would explain what's happening. Uh, and in wrestling, we all also hold the VCR for those who aren't big wrestling fans, very close to our hearts because for so many wrestling fans and I'm still in my thirties here, yeah, I'm a big, yeah. ta- tape, I was a big tape trader and I'm, I'm probably one of the youngest of the big tape traders, but I was. And that's how I know a lot of people in the wrestling media now and a lot of people that are big wrestling fans. I was a big wrestling fan for many years trading tapes. And I think that in general, streaming is the biggest opportunity for the wrestling business in many ways. I think AEW, there's a lot of potential for us to expand our business into streaming and that's a conversation for us that we're really, especially with the new company that's emerged post-merger with Warner Brothers Discovery being so strong in streaming and having exciting plans going forward. That's something we're continuing to talk to them about. And I'm very fortunate to work with such a big company where hopefully we can explore that. And I think it's a big possibility as I own this great wrestling library now, I obviously with what we've built at AEW, we put together hundreds of hours of great footage and had the ability to produce so much great content on a weekly basis. In addition to what's on TNT and TBS every Wednesday and every Friday, uh, we've also got the ability to produce more content, I believe with a great roster we have. And also, uh, now I've purchased another great library and have the ability to produce more great content on a weekly basis with ring of honor. And they've got thousands of hours, an amazing history, and many of the biggest stars in all of wrestling, including AEW and our competitors, have come through Ring of Honor. And now we've relaunched Ring of Honor and the future of what I believe could be weekly content from Ring of Honor, in addition to regular major events, in addition to the great weekly shows we could produce going forward. There's an opportunity there with Ring of Honor, too. So the world of wrestling and streaming, it's, it's very exciting. Our, our competitors done big stuff in the space, and there's definitely a big revenue stream for the company, and, and most importantly of all, a big opportunity for the wrestling fans who want this content. It's something every day I see people calling for. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. Every single day I get messages from fans calling for that exact streaming service with a library of past events and or future events yeah that that that's that ring of honor is going to be turn out to be a great purchase my prediction on that i would say that even if tony wasn't on uh tony there's so much to get to i'm going to try to just sort of bounce no around no i have i have tell me time. if you have to go uh, whatever because, like i said i literally could interview you for literally the next 74 we have a show tonight on tbs at eight o'clock eastern seven o'clock central so i can't <laughs> do that but uh i will yeah. short of that no i know i'll i i will i'm yeah, we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna. I'm gonna we're gonna go 20 more minutes, and then I'll get you out of here. One of the things that I really appreciate from you is one you bringing back Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, who were such iconic voices for so many of us um, who grew up on their voices. Also, you clearly, um, 
and again, this is something I respect in your position, there would be a lot of entrepreneurs who would be like, I want something new. I want something fresh. I don't want guys who were, you know, who connect to the past. Like, you know, I want some 35 year old, 30 year old announcer uh, because I want to, you know, make this person my like voice. You, to me, got instant credibility from having Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. So let me just put, put that out there. Secondly, I am curious because you are such a hands-on person. You know, you format the show, you run the show. Um, how hands-on are you with your announcers during shows? Because one of the things Jim Ross has famously said that was very difficult for him was navigating calling wrestling by having Vince McMahon in his ear. In his ear, and it seems, at least anecdotally, based on what Jim has said, is that that's not you. You you kind of let these guys sort of do their thing and react to what's in front of them, as opposed to putting things in their ear. How do you how do you approach your role with the wrestler with the wrestling announcers? Yes, well, I appreciate you saying that. Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone both are two of the greatest wrestling announcers of all time, and like you said, I think they add a lot of credibility to the show. The two of them are in a booth along with a great play-by-play announcer, Excalibur, who's very versatile, and he adds a lot. His name's Mark. And uh, the three of them do a great job together, Jim, Tony, and Mark. And like you said, Jim probably isn't as great in, in terms of trying to be himself, which is the greatest wrestling announcer of all time, and process the feedback he's getting in his ear. So Jim of the three is probably the one I engage with the least. Because like you said, I'm very hands-on formatting and producing, uh, both going into the show and as it's happening. And I do talk to the announcers, but probably more to Mark and Tony than to Jim. And if it was like Rampage, you know, with Taz and, and Chris, but... I, I think Jim, like you said, since it's not the way he's managed best, I don't try to manage in that way. And it's easier to try and make a point, a talking point, get across whatever it needs to be, a story, a moment, something that just happened, something that's going to happen going forward, whatever we need to hit in that moment. I can often address it with Jim, but if you know Jim's in the zone, in the flow, it's, it's easy to also talk to Tony and Mark. Let me ask you philosophically, how important is it from your perspective, Tony, um, that the broadcasters sort of sell the product? Because, you know, and again, maybe I'm sort of connected a little closer to this because, like, look what I do. I write about broadcasting. I write about media. So I'm really just fascinated by the the craft itself. But, like, so much of my wrestling fandom, like, I think was amplified by what the broadcaster said. Like, you know, whether it was um, – uh, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon or Jesse Ventura or even Shivani in WCW like uh, when Hogan turned and he had his famous line like Hulk, I think it's Hulk Hogan, you go straight to hell or however he ended that, um, that pay-per-view. Like those moments, like I feel like uh, connect and last for a long, long time. So when you came on, I did want to ask you philosophically, like how do you see the importance of them in terms of selling the product, amplifying the product, and just making the product, like making you feel something about the product? They're a huge part of the show. And the announcers for the audience at home give perspective. They give information. They obviously, not only for the business of the show, but also for the emotion and the excitement and the action. They're the voices and the announcers are huge for us we also have international announcers that all around the world are providing that that insight but certainly i think 
the most famous wrestling announcer in the world is probably Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. You know, you mentioned Conrad. Tony Schiavone had kind of been out of action for a long time. And Conrad helped bring him back into prominence on a podcast. And I think myself and a lot of people in America started scratching their heads, wondering where was Tony Schiavone? Why wasn't he working? And the more you listen to him talk about how much he misses wrestling, how much he wants to be in it, he wants to work all the time. And these are all things I've found to be true over the last few years, that he wants to help the young announcers, that he wants to produce other people's segments and give insight when he's not on screen. All of these things are true. And the more I thought about these things, the more I realized he's a perfect fit for us. And so with Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, their experience, we have other great announcers in the fold, like I said. But they're the two you asked about and clearly the two first and foremost with, in terms of experience. And I think it starts and ends on a broadcast with the announcers that for the fans at home, at least they can make or break it. It's a totally different experience, as you know, and a lot of wrestling fans know and really all sports fans know it's different going to the game or the wrestling match, the live event than it is watching it at home with the commentators. But we all know from watching sports, even if. There's some of you that listen to Richard's podcast that are interested in sports media. Besides wrestling, you know what it's like with a sporting event if the announcers are great versus if the announcers are not great. And we're very fortunate to have these legendary announcers that bring great insights and add a lot to the show that you mentioned. So thanks for yeah they yeah they uh, they are they are how you process uh, the sports or the event that you love. All right, a couple more here. You Tony, you have. Um, you certainly negotiated in your, um, you know, with your other jobs with athletes or at least been sort of, I guess, part of the whatever the staff would be, uh, either with the Jaguars or at, at Fulham. And you deal with agents there and there's, you know, the the professional athletics sort of has, depending on the sport, sort of its own rhythms and demands when it comes to contractual negotiations. I did want to ask, without you being specific about any particular performer, but when you're trying to um, bring in someone like a CM Puck or John Moxley or Brian Danielson, you know, like Sting, like major, major, major names, is it is it a similar experience in negotiating and trying to procure those kind of talents to um, professional sports? And if it's not, then how is it different? It's similar. I'd say the biggest difference is there are far less big wrestling leagues than there are major sports teams. So in the NFL, for example, in free agency, there are 32 teams competing for the same free agents often and teams, you know, vying to sign a player in European football. So in the Premier League, there's 20 clubs, but really in in European football, you find there's far more suitors often because you have the 20 clubs in the Premier League plus all the big leagues across Europe and around the world. So uh, it's a little bit different in wrestling where there's really only a few top leagues, uh, including AEW, that were competing for the top wrestlers in the world. So you mentioned a lot of the great names that are on AEW every week. I think you mentioned just now CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Sting, and some others that are really great for us, and John Moxley, of course. And, Moxley, yeah. and yep. the, every everybody, I think, who's a big wrestling fan, hopefully, is is pretty well aware of those wrestlers, and they've been huge names for us that have come in as free agents, and they've complemented so well a young crop of wrestlers on the rise, and even some unheralded veterans that had never gotten the national attention. A perfect 
real blend, a great roster that's come together and that's put together this show that's had such a great sustained audience now that like we've done, I think I was just telling you before, 137 episodes of Dynamite, over 40 episodes of Rampage over these last few years. And and that has uh, in large part due to these free agent names. And I think similar in sports, you get big impact when you get big signings. And it's just in wrestling, it's a little bit different. There's just less less teams trying to vie for the signatures of the top stars. Yeah. Steve Borden, by the way, on my, uh, my Mount Rushmore of, uh, of performance, uh, still critic, uh, under his performance as the Joker <laughs> in TNA, uh, incredibly underrated. Also what, a Mount what a Rushmore of people right. sting. What a great, I've name. heard. Yeah. I heard he's just a great guy and great, great with the great with the talent in the back. All right. I have four more for you. I, I believe, um, MJF is on the short list right now of the best performers on the mic in the world today, regardless of professional wrestling organization. Um, using him as sort of my takeoff here, I'd like to see. I'd like to ask you how you philosophically see the value of delivering an incredible promo versus your in-ring work. Well, I think MJF is a great example of both. He's a great wrestler and certainly one of the great talkers and it helps when somebody can do both. I think a lot of the biggest wrestlers of all time had both. And in the modern world of wrestling, there's more emphasis on the athleticism of the wrestler in many ways. And if not the pure athleticism, because some of the best wrestlers in the world aren't the fastest or the quickest or the strongest necessarily, or all of the above, but they have these intangibles and it comes together in a package and like many things in entertainment it's it's not always directly equal to the sum of its parts in terms of raw athletic ability but the whatever the audience deems on the aggregate to be somebody's wrestling ability is an important thing and i think the what people do in terms of storytelling in terms of promos interviews in wrestling and of course you mentioned the commentary the talking is a huge part of the wrestling in addition to the wrestling and MJF, who you mentioned is one of the best at both. And we've got this great roster of, I believe some of the best promos and interviews, but also people that have had great matches. So MJF and CM Punk have definitely had some of the best interviews and promos in AEW going up against each other, but they've also had great matches. Is MJF working me as a viewer, Tony, by putting his contract details out there? Uh, well, uh, it's <laughs> neither here nor there in the business of sports media. But no, he's uh, one of our great wrestlers. And uh, he's one of our nice. best best people. And like I said, one of the best talkers and one of the best wrestlers in the ring. That was good. I felt that was a good cheeky way for me to ask that one. Um, all right. The, uh, the final three here, and then you should get to uh, – what you want to get to me. And I will mention just quickly, we're not going to discuss this, but, and I, this is the only time I, I've ever uh, direct messaged Tony. And that was, um, the, the Brody Lee, uh, tribute show is, is, is for me, one of the singular best episodes of wrestling I've ever watched. It was incredible. Tony, you and your group should be proud. Um, you did that family and you did Brody, 
um, so well. And again, it was that was one of the most compelling things I've seen independent of wrestling content, just content alone. So I wanted to make sure I told you that before we got out of here because uh, um, it really it stays with me to this day that uh, that episode. I really appreciate you saying that. I would love to have the opportunity for tell all the audience. I think there's a lot of wrestling fans, and if you're still listening at this point, there's a good chance it's high percentage of wrestling fans. Yeah, but I, fan. for everybody, yeah, but... if they don't know, John Huber was his name. Is his name? He's a legendary pro wrestler. He passed away in December of 2020, and it hit everybody in the pro wrestling community, not just in AEW very hard because John is one of the most beloved people in pro wrestling that I've ever known. And it's pretty remarkable. And I'm sure we all, everyone listening and, and me talking, we all know people that have passed away at some point in our lives. And so I hope we can all kind of just take a moment and appreciate this and pay our respect to him that when he passed away, first of all, everyone took it very hard because he's a well beloved person and like in unison, unanimously, what everybody said about John, the, when they heard the first thing everybody would say would be, this guy loved his family so much. And then uh, next of all, he loved wrestling so much. And it was like in that order, everybody would, first of all, he loved his family so much. And personally, he loved pro wrestling. And, and those are two huge reasons why he was so beloved in this sport and why he's still so talked about and treasured to this day. He was taken from us far too young and uh, passed away from illness in December, 2020. And he, he left behind an amazing family, Amanda Huber and, and their sons, Brody and Nolan. And the tribute show I thought was a very fitting tribute. I really appreciate you saying that because I think it's a, our finest hour. And definitely I agree with you. It's one of the best, wrestling shows and the way it came to be is pretty crazy because um it was all it all happened very quickly uh when john had been sick and he passed uh the day after christmas in 2020 and i didn't sleep at all that that night i'm sure and guy can't even imagine what it would, was like uh for his family and closest loved ones but i but i did love him and it was hard for me and i think it was hard for so many people in the company and then uh, the 27th, the Jaguars played at home against the Chicago Bears. And I came down for the holiday and I was at the game. And Amanda was at the game and came with a lot of the people because obviously nobody wanted to leave Amanda alone. And it was a very tough time for her. She was at the game in the suite. And we had a suite. And I came over during the game and was with her. And I told her I was going to scrap everything we were doing. We were doing uh, a big event for AEW with like a, a huge wrestling card with big matches. And I was going to scrap it and make it all about john about the brody lee the wrestler and the man john huber and his family and i didn't know how to do that at first and i told her i don't know what i'm going to do but i'm going to do something special and it'll the whole i'm going to change the show and she, i you know she immediately said she appreciated that but i still didn't know what to do and then i had to lay down for a little bit when i got i still hadn't slept in a couple of days after the game and then i took a nap and i woke up and for somehow the idea came to me of what the show was which i hope was a great tribute to him and the fact that it's been a couple of years and you're still talking about the show, I think is a great thing. And most importantly, the great thing about the show is it gives me and everybody a great platform to talk about John Huber and Brody Lee and what a great man John Huber was and, and how important Brody Lee is in wrestling. And the, sh the whole show, every match had an angle tied to him. And it was really the story. He had been a villain in wrestling, a heel. And it was a story of his, 
associates, his cronies, really the people that worked under him because he was the boss, uh, the Dark Order, all of his Dark Order people started teaming with fan favorites against the villains. And it was the, the as we would call in wrestling, the face turn of the Dark Order, really be, being very sympathetic and teaming with all across the show uh, with the fan favorites against the villains. And then as the show went on, they won all the matches. And the Dark Order, other than Brody Lee, weren't always the most successful. Brody Lee was very successful, one of the most successful people and champions. But the people around him weren't always successful. He had a lot of goons, kind of like the Joker or somebody like that, uh, would have goons around them that, that you know, Batman beat up. And then they became, they really came into their own on this night and won all the matches. And, and that was the theme of the night as you got to the end is, are they going to be able to pull off the clean sweep, which they did. And it was a great ending and a lot of great moments, including john's older son brody who's really grown up so much around us and being around the wrestlers and being backstage and working like almost like a young not not being put to work but like uh working hard to learn wrestling as a craft and and taking notes and studying it to follow in his father's footsteps as a great wrestler brody jr uh even got involved in the match with the aforementioned mjf which was uh, a great moment on uh what was a great show being held under the most tragic of circumstances. And uh, I agree with you. I think it's one of the best things I've seen in wrestling. And I was, it was, you know, I'm just sad we had to do it, but I think it was the best thing we could have done for John and Tom Waits licensed the song Wolf 55 to us for a video on John's life, which I, that was really uh, big to get the rights to that. Cause I thought it was a perfect song. And, um, he'd been sick for a bit. So I kind of started working in advance uh, knowing that there's a hoping, hoping I would never have to use it, but knowing that I wanted to be ready if we needed it. And, uh, anyway, thanks for saying that Richard. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I thank you for, uh, thank you for giving some context to that. And again, you guys have done some great stuff that, that that's the, in my opinion, and just subjective. That's the best thing you guys have ever produced. It was, it was incredible. Uh, incredible to watch. All right. Final two, Tony, I realize you got to be judicious here. Um, I'm going to ask it. You, you may decline. You may not want to ask answer. Uh, but you know, I, I don't get the, um, I don't get one of the owners of Jaguars on every day and urban Meyer in my world, outside of obviously our AW conversation, he is likely to land at Fox as a college football studio analyst. And very likely that that's going to happen this fall. People who listen to this podcast regularly know I've sort of explained why and how sort of Fox looks at his Jaguars tenure. Um, would you encourage viewers to watch him as a college football analyst, having just employed him? I can't really comment on having employed Urban, but I would definitely say I would always encourage fans to watch college football 100% of the time, unless it's on against AEW or uh, NFL, which is pretty rare based on how the schedules line up and, and really very rare with AEW based on how the schedules line up too. So um, I, I am a big college football fan and with the NFL, we're a big supporter of the college football game and work closely with them. So I'm always going to support people watching college football. All right. I asked and answered. I appreciate it. Here's the last one. Um, it's a very big sort of question. And I wonder for you, for AW, like how will you view long time, long term success? Do you like to me, there's an argument. Obviously, you have great designs, and great plans. But the fact that we are I am talking to you on a three year anniversary of a new wrestling promotion to me is you've already succeeded. Like you've already, I think, changed the dynamic of 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 how a lot of people believed um 
wrestling would be in this country and that there would yeah, always you know really what? be sort of like one you're player. Only as good, you're Go only ahead. as good as your last show. What you're saying is very cool, but I think I can make right. a, I can take what you're saying and look, take what you said earlier and hopefully combine them. Yeah. To well, then. so I was going to ask you, like, do you, do you like it? Oh, will success only be like, if you could have this conversation with 25 years from now, 25 from would now. be great. But remember, yeah. dude, remember the run WCW had in 98 <laughs> selling out <laughs> domes, inc- like yes. domes every week. And then in 99, when business was starting to go down domes every week, domes like they, the Heights WCW hit. Yeah. They sold out Atlanta with Goldberg, I think, right? 50,000. Like, I don't know the order, but there's a run of like dome where it was like, and the ratings were so big. And there's, you know, there's a run where it's like the Alamo Dome, the Astrodome, the TWA Dome, the Georgia Dome, the Superdome, the Cajun, like the Cajun Dome. They're doing all these dome shows and right. all these big. And then when it's not a dome show, it's arenas that are packed and sold out. And the, the viewership was huge. It would have been unthinkable for things to go as south as they went to begin with. But it was absolutely unthinkable in the late 90s that WCW would be out of business, let alone in a few years. So you're only as good as your last shows. And that's why wrestling fans are so scrutinizing. But that being said, like you, we've built up a lot of goodwill with the wrestling fans in a very short time. And, and I hope we can continue to k- expand on it, build more and more goodwill and get more and more fans. What we've done in a short time becoming, you know, a top show, not just on cable television, but now on all of television, it's, it's big. And it is because there are so many great wrestling fans in the world. And I was very fortunate to be able to come in and strike a deal at the beginning with a media partner in Warner brothers, the original WME, which is now uh, together with discovery, Warner brothers discovery and put them back in the wrestling business that they had been out of for a long time. And it was a public service. Like there should be wrestling on TNT and TBS every week like it was the, the, yep. the america Agreed. was a better country when it was and i you know there's a lot of things <laughs> and i i just think like there were a lot of things that were better before and that was one and there are a lot of things that are better now and now it's hopefully you know something we've given back to the people that used to be good when i was younger was there was wrestling every week on tnt and tbs and there was competition in wrestling and big wrestlers going back and forth. And I told, I, I predicted that would be a really interesting part of this before we launched when I was making the business case that I think everyone's going to follow the, the wrestling companies, but the story of the competition between two big wrestling companies that hasn't really existed in 20 years was something we were going to bring back. And it's clearly become a focus based on the amount of media attention it's gotten and the focus of the fans and what's happened in terms of transactional stuff in wrestling. So uh, it's interesting. And I think being here in 25 years would be great. Being here in five years, I, I, a goal, but also I, we're going to be here in five years. The question is, you know, since we're owned and operated by ourselves, I think it's a little bit different. We control our own fate a little bit differently, but one thing we, we can only control is how we engage with the fans on our side. But I think making sure to, you know, keep uh, in tune with the fans. And I hope uh, next week that'll be really clear after this week's Wednesday Night Dynamite, but especially coming out of Double or Nothing, which is, as you know, Richard, and I think a lot of wrestling fans know these big wrestling events. And and for us, that's what Double or Nothing is. If you haven't seen it, it's a huge event. And it'll be the beginning of of what is uh, a new year and the end of what has been a great year. And, And I think that 
kind of a big event in pro wrestling. To uh, sports fans, it might be the equivalent of a Grand Slam event in golf or tennis. And this is one of the one of the big ones. You know, this is the is this the Masters? Uh, Is this Wimbledon? I think so. And uh, in a pantheon of Grand Slam AEW events, this is so special because it's where it all began for AEW here in Las Vegas three years ago. And I hope that in five years, 20 years, 25 years and 50 years, we'll still be doing double or nothing, hopefully still coming back here. And, you know, because we control a lot of our fate in our own hands by owning and operating the business. I think that is like I was saying before, one of the key distinctions between AEW and WCW, we are very fortunate to have shows that are on TBS and TNT, whereas WCW, they had shows that were on TNT and TBS, but that was also their parent company that kind of controlled the fate of the business. So it is different. uh, But at the end, the people who really control the fate of a wrestling company are the fans. And there are awesome fans who watch AEW and and wrestling fans are just awesome in general. And that's how the business has done so well and thrived, even through what has been kind of a crazy transitional period from the end of, WCW and ECW and what came, what rose in the wake, including Ring of Honor. And now what can hopefully be an exciting future with AEW and Ring of Honor. As Tony mentioned, All Elite Wrestling presents Double or Nothing this Sunday from a sold-out T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. You could obviously purchase that via pay-per-view. The... uh, I think the formal start time on this, at least if you're buying pay-per-view, I believe, is So the, the pay-per-view is going to start at 8 p.m. Eastern, Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific. There's a, there's a pre-show that's going to start gotcha. before okay. that. And I'll give a little bit of context to this also for sports media and the hardcore wrestling fan. And this will also sure. get you some good aggregation. Uh, so I look forward. And hopefully, I, are you a boxing <laughs> guy? This might land a big time on you. I don't know if you are, but. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I can't say I watch it regularly, but I certainly, you know, I'll be interested if there's cool. like a So we're a, on the three-year anniversary of the launch of AEW. Very close to 10 years ago, ex- exactly. Like, here we're late May. This was early June, 10 years ago, 2012. I was also in Las Vegas for a big championship fight, but it was boxing and not pro wrestling. And it was Manny Pacquiao versus Timothy Bradley. And... Coincidentally, that weekend, the night of the fight was Eastern Conference Finals. And lo and behold, it was the same teams playing this year. It was the Celtics and the Heat. And they had a game seven that night. And Bob Arum and Pacquiao guaranteed the fans that the championship match would not go out to the ring before the game was over. And it was a big deal. And I was there. I went to the fight. I was at the fight the Pacquiao versus Bradley fight. And I can attest to this. And not only that, but especially it felt probably longer to the people in the building um, that uh, it, it, it was a long delay before there was any action because it, from the semifinal fight to the main event, the Pacquiao versus Bradley championship match, it would felt like an hour or more. I mean, I'm sure somebody's going to research and say exactly how long it was, but in the building, it felt like it was forever. And that being said, when he finally came out, it was a big deal, but it made sense that 
not only for Pacquiao, who was a big Celtics fan who was literally in the back watching the game, but also for the fans at home who might be trying to watch both events. Because I think nowadays you're going to have to accept there's a, like, a lot of people who are bu- buying the event might pick up a UFC or an AEW show. My, my good friend Dana White, might I don't know their business, I, but, but I would imagine on a Saturday, for example, when there's like a big college football game, say, they might get people buying that weren't watching the prelims that come in for the for the big matches at the end for their big fights and i don't think that's typical of AEW. Right. but there is a chance now 10 years later that again the heat and the celtics are going to have a game seven <laughs> and this time the big ticket in vegas instead of pacquiao bradley is going to be double or nothing 2022 and and if there is a game seven nice. I, I will make sure I've actually planned ahead. I, it's a scenario I was hoping I wasn't going to have to play out, but this will pay off. We're starting very early on West Coast time because it's a West Coast pay-per-view. So the, the pre-show, last, the last show we did, Revolution, which was one of my favorite shows we've ever done. We were in Orlando at the UCF campus, and we had a great pre-show, and then the pay-per-view itself was tremendous. There was a lot of action for free. You got three great matches, and it was like a g- really good one-hour wrestling show for the fans. And then we did our second biggest buy rate we've ever done. All of our p- pay-per-view shows for those in sports media who don't know have gone up year over year. I mentioned the grand slam earlier. We've got four big events. All of them year over year have done a better number than they did the year before. We've, we've had of the four events, they've each done three because we just finished three years. So this revolution of our dozen events, this is the second biggest event we've ever had. It was by far the biggest for revolution we've ever had. And since CM Punk came in, we've seen a, frankly, a big jump in our pay-per-view business, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, and some others. And uh, it's, it's helped a lot, yeah, the free sense. agency, like you mentioned, and, and then having them mix with the great stars of AEW. So uh, I promise, first of all, there will not be any long gap. I'm not going to hold it up. I've planned where we're going to start a little bit later in terms of when the action is going to start. And we have a little bit more in the window. So it's, I expect the total night of wrestling is going to be very similar to what we did at revolution, but I planned ahead in case there was a game seven. I didn't know it was going to be the heat and the Celtics again, but I just had a feeling I was going to go back to Vegas 10 <laughs> years later. And it was going to be something similar. I can't believe it's the heat and the Celtics again. I hope that one of these teams can finish it off. I won't, uh, I don't want to upset any fans of either team. So hopefully they won't mind if I don't, take a side in the heat and the Celtics rivalry, but uh, one of them, it would be great if they could end it in six games and it doesn't come to where this we're going to need to take advantage of it. But I have put it in play that we've got later. We've never, you know, needed to take advantage of that before going longer on pay-per-view, but it's, for the live fans, it's very early and it's similar to what UFC and boxing do all the time, as far as when they put the, the big fight in the ring. So I've, I'm not going to have a long gap. We got plenty That's of right. action. It's going to be a great night. And I promise if there is a game seven, uh, a lot of the best action will be at the very end, including at the main event, Hangman Page, the world champion, uh, who's been so huge for us so far, who's really taken us into the future versus the biggest free agent who's ever coming to AEW CM Punk it is truly one of those great champion versus number one contender title fights. And th- there's so much on the card. So I plan to leave a lot late also, just in case. And the show also would start before if there was a game seven. So there would be some great action before the game and after the game in case anybody does end up watching it. So I'm trying to plan around it and plan the pay-per-view window. So there, the, the pre-show, as we call the buy-in, 
will maybe not have as much action as the last show and the total night of wrestling have more because I plan to probably put more in the pay-per-view, but it'll be the same total amount of wrestling we've been doing. And I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm not trying to keep people forever, but it's a holiday weekend in particular. And the last one was not. So I think, uh, it might be even better received now. And we was, we got huge reception is one of the best received shows we ever did for revolution. And I think we can top it here with double or nothing and not only have it be our best double or nothing yet, but hopefully our best event we've ever had here in Las Vegas where it all began for us. That's awesome. I appreciate that explanation. Tony Khan, president, CEO, head of creative of all wrestling again, double or nothing this Sunday sold out T-Mobile arena in Las Vegas. You can get it on pay-per-view and he just, and, and dynamite tonight on TBS, which is free. You don't have to buy the pay-per-view. Well, you do you have to have, have, you, have you do have to have cable, but yes, if you, if you have it, um, you, you, uh, <laughs> you can turn no additional, no incremental, yes, additional, no cost, additional charge. Whereas even if we have cable, the technically we are going to try and, uh, you know, we're charging a fee for double or nothing, but it's well worth what it costs. Yeah, no, this is a, a good card. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, people are going to get their money's worth on the, on this. So listen, Tony, Thanks. you gave me a ton of time. I really appreciate it. I, I, I sincerely wish you nothing but the best of success with this. Uh, you know, those of us who, who, um, who enjoy this content, who enjoy pro wrestling, it's just given us so much more to contemplate, to think about, to consume. So thank you for the time. I hope you come back and, uh, and thanks again for joining me on the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for having me on the Sports Media Podcast. I really appreciate it, Richard. And that was my goal getting into the pro wrestling business was to make it a better place for the fans and a better place for the wrestlers and a better place for me to watch wrestling. So I'm, I'm most of all happy for the wrestling fans and the wrestlers. And uh, I count you among the wrestling fans and the people who support the business. So thank you for having me on the Sports Media Podcast to talk about Fulham and the Jags and, and a lot of AEW today. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Tony Khan, man. He, he gave me longer than I expected, and uh, and we could have done hours. I mean, I didn't even get to the Jaguars, which would have been obviously interesting just given the season that he had. Didn't expect Tony to really uh, go anywhere in Urban Meyer, but, you know, there's a lot going on with uh, with that franchise, and obviously Tony Khan is in the uh, he's in the meetings when it comes to NFL owners. Um so he's pretty wired when it comes to that world. If um, you like these conversations, head to our archives page. Previous podcast before this, Tom Verducci, the great Sports Illustrated baseball writer, Fox and MLB Network analyst on Roger Angel and the art of baseball writing. For that, we had Leslie Visser, who just got, got a major uh, award from the Sports Emmys, Lifetime Achievement Award, and uh, Ileana Limon Romero, who this month became uh, the first woman to ever be the sports editor of the LA Times. Uh, Larry Comus on calling Rich Strike's amazing Kentucky Derby win. Had a life after the sports media conversation with Amy Moritz, Amy K. Nelson, Cat O'Brien, three women who worked in the business and have since left. Uh, Susie Colbert of ESPN, Gus Johnson of Fox, uh, Joe Davis, new voice of the World Series, and a lot of obviously roundtables with uh, the likes of Chad Finn and Jim Miller, Austin Carp, and others. Hopefully there's something there that you will enjoy. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti. He uh, he really worked hard for me this week, put together multiple podcasts um, on a very short amount of time. So thank you to him. Thanks to everybody at Cadence 13 for their support. And thank you for listening. As I've uh, often said, if you do like this stuff, please uh, leave us a five-star review and a nice note when it comes to uh, where you get these podcasts. That's how this podcast continues, and it does mean a lot. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.